previously on the Solid Serial. So what's our plan? Belak, we've come for you. We are looking for the vile creature that has corrupted this land. As to vile, I do not know what you mean by it. This place holds evil magic, and you are keeping it, tending to it, nurturing it. Hold on. What is it that you want? Our friends. They're alive, but they are caring for the tree. There's some sort of spell on them. They're not themselves. Are you guys seek is to destroy what is misunderstood. You will serve as good sustenance to my tree in the end. And let's roll for initiative. This is for everyone you've hurt. Die! You cut Belak from shoulder almost to waist. As he crashes on the ground, he turns to you and goes, Don't kill her. You do not know what you hurt. I feel like Mortis slashes against the tree with his first attack, and then he stabs his sword into the tree with his second, pushes it deeper, and then he can feel the radiant energy off of his blade. This ends now! And then a giant spectral moth appears above him and opens his wings just as there's an explosion of radiant light. You guys start to make your way back to the surface. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? The group traverses through the grove of Belak, still half illuminated by these weird phantasmas amidst the fog that permeates above you guys, above the canopy of trees. Still, it is a torturous walk as you guys are going through shrubbery and dense vegetation. It takes the better part of an hour to get by, but you guys finally arrive at the very entrance where you guys fought goblins and leads towards the inside of the tunnels of the Sunless Citadel. As we enter the tunnels and the natural light fades away, Mortis is going to activate the lantern on his belt just to make sure we have a nice little aura of light around us. By lighting up the lantern, of the god of travelers and death, Lutzair, you guys proceed into the darkness once again. You finally reach the very long hallway. It stretches endlessly. But now, the feeling is different. As you look around and you have the people that you sought out for, they are walking by your side, somewhat smiling and even in a high spirit as they know they are coming back home. As Methuselah is leaving this place, it's almost like there's a weight that comes off of them in that they can finally leave so much of the darkness behind and in the past. 
as they've now overcome a lot of the monsters that lingered down here. In the process of us beginning to make our way back through the citadel, Thorn slipped down Mortis's shell and onto the ground, feeling a little sick from the height, not completely used to it in the way that the other Thorn is. For a bit, Methuselah is distracted by talking to Faith and Sir Bradford about Asantha and our adventures and everything, and then we'll notice that Thorn has slowed down and we'll stop conversation and meet Thorn's pace. Oh, Thorn, I was wondering if I could ask you a question. Huh? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, you can ask me anything. Since there's, you know, two Thorns, it is a bit, you know, strange and sometimes confusing to try to figure out which one we're, we're speaking to in terms of names. Is there anything that we could call you? Instead of, you know, saying old thorn or new thorn or, or this thorn or that thorn, I, I feel like if there's anything that you want us to call you now, just so it's, it's a little bit easier, you can let us know. Thorn gets a sad look on his face for a second. When my mom and dad were alive, they'd sometimes call me their wildflower. They'd just call me flower. Would you like us to call you that? Yeah, I, I guess you could. Well, that's splendid then, a flower. It's uh, it's very nice to finally really meet you. It's nice to meet you too. You know, Chrysantha used to call me her magpie. It's because I talk a lot and, you know, sing like magpies do. Oh, well, I got my nickname because my mom's name was Petals and my dad's name was Vine and I was Thorn. I guess we all kind of made up part of a rose or something. Anyways, I got the nickname mostly because I got into a lot of mischief when I was a kid and I would run around and get in trouble and get into things that I really shouldn't have. So I was kind of like a wild flower. Didn't really stay in one place or grow in one place. Well, I think our, our little group can relate to that. I know there's a lot of troublesome people here. Besides Mortis, he is a little bit old. Unless maybe he's had some sort of wild backstory, childhood where he was some sort of hooligan. I'm sure he has a lot of fun as he did when he was younger. Flower looks like he wants to say something. Methuselah being Methuselah, very in tune of people, is going to notice. Is there something wrong? I guess I was just thinking about what's going to happen to my magic if the Marquis leaves. I kind of had magic when I was younger, but it was mostly having to do with inventions. I never really completely nurtured it, I guess. If you still wanted to do magic, I, I know that there's some people uh, who learn magic by almost like a trade. I know Feste, my, my um, leader of Wolf's Fortune, somewhat father figure, he was um, a conductor. They're magic users, and he studied magic, and that's how he was able to do mostly illusionary stuff, but I'm sure that if you were interested in maybe studying that, it might be something to look into when you get to the surface. Yeah, I guess I'll have to figure it out. To be honest, I was thinking about maybe staying in one place for a little while. That's fair. I, I suppose sometimes you do need that a sort of comfort. He nods, but then Flower goes quiet again, lost in thought once more. I think Methuselah will hold a conversation, but mostly be the one just talking. Seeker is going to, of course, be with Faith, and after not saying very much for a little bit, they're 
going to turn to her. Uh, now, Faith, are you, are you sure that you're okay? I was really worried about you, and we were all worried about you back home. Well, to be completely honest, I was a little bit concerned. I couldn't really feel anything. I was a prisoner in my own body. I remember everything. Belak, he was an evil man. That goes without saying. As for what he was doing, it was not good. But he had his own reasons. And uh, in a weird way, I can understand what he was doing. I just can't accept how he was doing. And unfortunately, um, I don't know if I'm prepared to really talk about what happened. Maybe later, after I have some very, very long sessions of play prairie, I might be able to find the courage and the strength to face it. Maybe with you, mom and dad, and one of their soups. But I remember everything, and I just remember how afraid I was for you and for Tom's rest. It's a bit weird that I wasn't really afraid for myself, but I was afraid for how I was going to leave everything. I intended to come here and find something that was going to help us all. But in the end, I didn't expect that I wouldn't come back. So I'm just happy now, more than anything, that we are coming back. I honestly can't wait. Oh, that reminds me. You remember those seeds that I planted in the back of the temple? Well, yeah, of course I remember those. That was, that was the last day that I saw you. I was I kept thinking that maybe that was the last time I was ever going to see you. And she smiles in a very tender way, and she holds your hand tight. It's not the case anymore. But you need to get rid of those. Part of the thing that Belak would talk with some of the goblins, it's exactly how important it is for them to spread those seeds. Even sell pieces of the apple, hoping that people would be interested in those. Those seeds were what caused those little wooden creatures to appear. They are seeds of that tree. So, I don't know if he was trying to spread that evil plant's corruption through the world, or was trying to replicate the tree in some way. I know that he was frustrated with how the seeds of those fruits would not create another tree, but create those little creatures instead. Regardless, we do need to get rid of those. Oh, oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, we, we got into a couple um, fights with those things, and I mean, we dealt with them easily enough, but I got scratched a few times. So I definitely wouldn't want any, anything like that to happen to any of the young'uns wandering around the temple. And, you know, take your time with talking about all of this. It, I mean, if I'd gone through it like what you did, it was very different what we went through. I probably wouldn't be able to talk about it right now either, because... I can talk about what we've been through down here with Mortis and with Thorn and with Methuselah. You could talk about it with Sir Bradford, but beyond that, there's no one that really completely shares the experience, you know? Enough about me. How are you? Well, I, I promised to protect you when, when we were both very, very small, and so it felt like it was obvious when we decided that we were going to send people out looking for you, that I should be part of it. Because, you know, if we just sent some random adventurers, you know, you, no matter how trustworthy they were, you, you, you wouldn't know them and it might have been more difficult. I think it, it also changed the way that everyone else saw the mission because they got to know me and they kind of know you already. I'm okay and there were times when I thought I would never see you again and so getting you back was all that I ever wanted. Well, you're as smart as always. I'm happy that you came. More than anything. And I do want to hear everything 
about what happened and how you braved all this. The two of you continue walking down the stretch as you let her know about the little adventure that you had with your friends. In the meantime, Sir Bradford approaches Mortis. I um, couldn't get your name. Yes, I suppose we didn't have much time for introductions. I am Mortis of Lestry. I'm a warrior of the Ashen Cloak, if you're familiar. Quite so, actually. One of the few inspirations for me to take the, the mantle of a knight. Not quite as renowned as your order, but um, I still want to live up to something bigger than myself. So long as you continue on your path and remain devoted to doing good and protecting, then you, my friend, will become a greater knight than I could ever hope to be. One can only hope, I would say, despite what I wish for the future. I do have to thank you for what you did. I know that I owe my life and Faith's life to all of you as a warrior, and I can see you are one too. It would be easier for me to express truly how I appreciate your, your help and the help of everyone. It was my honor, the Bradford. I would be happy to fight alongside you anytime, though hopefully we won't be trying to kill each other. <laughs> he chuckles a little. Likewise, I do apologize about fighting you. Oh, think nothing of it. Just a little old man humor. <laughs> I don't know if it is selfish or inappropriate for me to ask something of you, especially after you and your compatriots saved us, but I do believe I can ask something of a fellow knight. Ask away. He pulls and unsheathes the blade that he used to fight you. The one with the weird hook at the very tip of the blade. Shows it to you and says, This is Shatterclaw. It's a blade blessed by the Cat Lady and her temple. It's meant to protect the temple and those within. I'm asking you if it is okay to keep it safe. If by any reason I do have to stay back or lay down my life to make sure you guys escape. I would like you to bring this back to the temple. I believe I can trust you more than anyone here and I don't want to burden Faith with this task as well. She already suffered enough. Mortis is somewhat taken aback by this and he takes a moment to study the blade. I can tell by your tone that this is an important task. It would be my honor to protect your blade should you fall, but rest assured, I will do everything in my power to ensure that no harm comes to you or Faith. He smiles gratefully, sheaves his blade back, extends the hand. Mortis takes it. And as the clasp is made, he goes, Likewise, my good knight. After this conversation, Mortis looks back at everyone else. Is he taking the lead? He doesn't really say anything. He's making sure everyone's okay. And he sees Seeker talking to Faith and Methuselah and Thorn in the background. And he just smiles before continuing on. You guys progress. And after the best part of four hours trudging through this very long hallway, dodging cracks on the ground and debris as well, you guys emerge back to the audience chamber of the Dark Warden. Illuminating by the light of Lutzer's lantern. You guys see where Mortis's sword is still stays there. Mortis approaches his greatsword with trepidation. He kneels down before he picks it up, just wipes off any dust that might have accumulated on it since we passed through. I wasn't sure if I'd see you again. And then he picks up the blade and holds it. It's good to see you again, old friend. 
because his sheath has Valkaris' greatsword in it, he holds it over his shoulder. Well, now that I have my greatsword back, I, I was thinking, and then he looks to Methuselah specifically, once we're back on the surface, I was wondering if you might be able to help me find a proper home for this, and then he places a hand on the greatsword in his sheath. Oh yes, I, I suppose I could. I, I did know Valakaris, so... Thank you. Uh, though this blade did serve me well, uh, it did belong to a god, and, well, it would seem improper for me to hold on to it. One thing that I think should be important when, you know, finding a home for it is making sure that it keeps moving. You know, this blade helped rescue people from oppression and hardship, so maybe that's why the goddess left the blade here, so that it could travel and help people. An astute observation, my friend. Perhaps in our travels we may find a warrior who could carry on its legacy. I, I'm sure that there might be some people even here in Destry, Dragonborn perhaps, who might know of Velikaris even more who could help us. Well, I suppose we have our next quest after we leave here. And he gives a warm smile to everyone. Suppose we do, but Chrysantha first, for sure. Of course, of course. Before we move on, Mortis glances over at Sir Radford Faith. I just realized, in all my foolishness, you you two probably didn't get a good look at this. And then he unsheathes Valkaris's blade and holds it out for them to see. Oh, you should do the swinging motion. It, it makes the little fire go off. It's very theatrical. Oh, if you insist. And then he leans his old greatsword against the wall and takes a step back, holds it over his shoulder like a baseball bat, and then with a mighty swing, he just slashes. And as he slashes the air, smoke and small flints of fire emanates from the kinetic force of the swing, making quite a trail. Oh, well, put your paws together, everyone. Mortis, woohoo! Faith and Sir Bradford do clap. Erky kind of claps a little bit, but the two are actually quite impressed by it. I do remember you finding me with this. It was quite a mighty blade, but to see it up close is something else different. It truly is something spectacular. It was partially through the will of Valakaris that I was able to find my path back to she. And with her almighty blade, I was able to destroy that cursed tree that was controlling the both of you. And then Faith says with a smile on her face, A mighty sword for a mighty warrior indeed. I couldn't ask for a better tale to be a part of. I think you should be the one wielding the sword around until it's ready to move on. Because I don't think I can think of anybody more fitting of it. Mortis blushes and like scratches the back of his head. I, I'm not sure about all that. I, I do my best and all, but you know, I'm sure there's someone a bit younger who might want to take up the blade. I agree with Faith. I think that you're one of the bravest and strongest people I've ever known, and you agreed to help me on my journey to become a paladin. Oh yes, and don't worry, Mortis, you don't look a day over 200. Well, I suppose you'd know, you know, you've lived more than one lifetime after all. Yes, 345 years. Mortis stares at you for a second. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I'm quite young for an elf. Indeed you are. I've known elves nearing a thousand. Well, anyways, uh, I suppose we'll decide what happens to the blades uh, later on, but perhaps we should carry on. Back to the Arboretums, climbing up that small and rustic wooden ladder. 
towards the Garden of Daphne. Still quite beautiful of a place in such a lonely and dark corner of the world. You guys open the door. And once again, you're completely illuminated by the warm and bright room. And to your surprise, small little saplings of chrysanthemums are already blossoming at the very bottom of the tree. From the tree, it marches her directly in front of you guys. You guys are back. I felt that you guys were okay. Or at least I assumed so as I can no longer feel the tree. The one that the goblins called Gophius. His precious tree. Did you guys kill it? We took care of it, as well as the druid and the apple virtue as well. I'm baffled and quite pleased. I'm sorry that you guys had to go through it, but I thank you still. Mortis steps up and bows respectfully. It was our honor. We only pray that in destroying Belak and the tree, it may bring some semblance of peace to you. I hope so too myself. I'll still take care of this garden as best as I can until I go back to my grove. I guess for you guys, it's back to the surface then. Please do be careful. There are still goblins out there and uh, whatever horrors that still permeates because of the seeds of that tree. I, I don't know if this is impolite. I, I was wondering, maybe I could take some maybe seeds or, or flowers. My muse, my wife, she really likes flowers and I think it'd be very nice to bring her some from here. I think you can spare one or two, yes. Together, you guys to find a select few. A few roses over here, a few lilies over there, and one or two chrysanthemums making a nice arrangement. Thank you. I do hope that maybe one day I can bring Chrysantha here to visit you, and she'll definitely love to see the chrysanthemums down here, so she's, you know, named after. I don't want to hold you guys back. Do visit if you can, but don't put yourselves in danger from me. And she nods and waits for you guys, observing you as you leave. Hi, Mortis! You come, come and get to know my sister. I'm always happy to get to know new people. Mortis slows down so that Faith and Seeker can catch up to him. Well, Faith, throughout my travels with your sibling, they were mentioning to me that they always had a desire to serve the cat lady in a more direct way. And they expressed to me that they were interested in training to become a paladin. Few have as much heart or bravery as Seeker. I do try. Her face is lights up. That would be lovely. I always knew that your devotion was more than just appreciation, and this so fits you. You will be an amazing paladin. And Sir Mortis, you would be a great teacher to them. I believe you would be very well fitted to hold Shatterclaw one day too. At the mention of Shatterclaw, Mortis lights up a little, and then he glances at Seeker. You know, uh, I was talking to Sir Bradford earlier, and he was saying that in, in the event that he is unable to make it back with us, that he would entrust Shatterclaw to me to safely deliver back to the temple. I thought of asking him if perhaps it may be right for you to guard the object alongside me. I'd love to help you guard Shatterclaw, but again, I wouldn't feel ready to wield her quite yet. I want to make sure that I'm ready to hold it. Otherwise, it just wouldn't feel right, you know? Like, if you had tried to carry Valakaris' sword before you were ready to. I completely understand. We must bear the weight of our weapons, both physically and emotionally. If we are not ready to wield them, then they cannot operate as they were meant to. I trust that 
Even if it isn't, Shatterclaw, you will find a legendary weapon that serves your needs. Oh, I do hope so. I want to make you proud, I want to make my family proud, and I want to make the cat lady proud. Throughout this conversation, you guys traverse the dark laboratories until you guys reach the shaft just underneath where Durna's room was. As approaching, you guys notice that the rope has been cut. The goblins wanted to leave you guys down here. I, I suppose we should probably think of a way up. Seeker is going to look at the wall, the ceiling, the hole. Well, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm better than everyone, but I think I might be the best climber of the group. I don't know if I, if I can do that. What I can do, Sir Bradford speaks up, is provide you with a boost so that you can reach the shaft. And then, yeah, if you give me a boost, perhaps I can climb up and then throw a rope down because that's how we got down here before, as you can see from the cut rope. All right. I know it also could help. I could play the song, specifically the part where you make your big jump. That was quite the jump, wasn't it? Yes, I'd say so. I've never seen anything like it. Methuselah is going to play that specific part of the song where I talk about Seeker making this impossible leap over a gorge of lava as I give bardic inspiration. As Seeker gets to have a little bit of a running start, they gracefully do a little hop when get close enough to Sir Bradford and Mortis just to land perfectly on your hands and you guys propel them skimming off a good 20 feet out of the start of the shaft climbing. You may do your athletics check as you land onto the wall and you're getting yourself up. I got a four. As your muscles start to ache, you feel that it's best for you to catch your breath a little bit. Uh, uh I can do this, guys. I know I can. Um, I'm more than halfway there, I think. I just need a moment, all right? So Methuselah hears that and sees Seeker's claws slipping a bit and the muscles shaking. Oh yes, we do believe in you, Seeker. We know you can do this. And is going to once again play their song. I'm going to give Bardic inspiration once again to our favorite tabaxi. It's another four. Despite the inspiration and music, Seeker starts to heavy breathing as the muscle ache starts to increase. You might not know for how much longer you can stay up here. Methuselah will see that and then look at Faith. She approaches you quite quickly. Seeker needs some wise words from you. Seeker, you can do this. This is no different than the trees that we climbed together when we were small. Come on, I know you can. You can do anything when you put your mind to it. And I believe in you. Now go for it. One more climb. You get advantage through the encouraging words of your sister as well. A ten. Through a lot of struggle, costing you a whole point of exhaustion, you are finally able to reach the end of the shaft, breathing heavily and allowing your muscles to just rest a bit. Seeker is going to take a minute to catch their breath. They're gonna have a little bit of water. You're able to find a specific piece on the side here. Tie the rope to the best of your abilities, to each other, and then onto this protruding rock and then you release it down, one by one. Your friends climb up. So, how are we going to go about this? Flower, are you... Flower? Yes, um, 
you know, so it's easier for us to differentiate between the thorns that saying something archaic like old thorn and new thorn. Figured it'd be nice for thorn to have a nickname. I like that. Flowers have thorns, and thorns are parts of flowers, so it suits you. I think it's a grand idea. Well, what do you think, Flower? I don't really know. I don't know if Rinka has been able to get rid of them. I don't know if they're gonna violent or if they're gonna listen to me. I don't know what Geld has told them. I don't know what to expect. Well, if anything, we did deal with Black, so I don't know if that's a good talking point, but I suppose it's something that if we needed to strike a sense of fear or we are not to be trifled with, did take care of that, their leader, we could try to find Dringa first in the tribe or try to confront them. Rennell always led the tribe with a sense of strength. The strongest had to be feared. Things like that, even though my family didn't. It's just the way that things were done. I think that defeating Balak would be a good starting point to kind of assert that we are strong. I don't really know what to say to them. They don't really trust me. But I remember when we fought goblins a while ago, we were able to sort of bruise them into listening at least. Maybe the people that we need to convince, it's not Geld, it's the tribe. Maybe if they're convinced, it might, you know, be forced to change. But if there's anyone that could convince them or stand up, I I think it's you. Flower nods and he looks actually at Seeker and Faith and also Sir Bradford. I was actually thinking that maybe Tom's rest would be willing to help us and help us integrate, if that makes sense, in a way where where you're not forced to hide. I know the tribe will still be a little bit skeptical, but I wanted to see what you guys thought. Maybe I could talk to Bathe. I think that might be a good idea. What do you guys think? Because maybe we can help them and that will, it might help make them not as violent if if we help them and they have help from the outside so that they don't feel so isolated and alone because community is really important the two look at each other faith turns to you but also to flowers i do think that that the um, temple might be able to help in some way or two and progressively maybe even find a way so that tom's rest could accept and even have the goblins join in some capacity. Although, I don't just don't know if it's possible to it to be done. Today, if we appeared with a goblin community on our backs, they probably would react thinking that it's a horde attack. It's something that we would need to prepare for. Can I do a check on Faith? Faith looks weak. There's something wrong. Yeah, I was gonna ask if I could also do that. Can I have advantage because I know her very, very well? I would allow the insight. I'm doing medicine. I got a 21. Uh, 16 for the insight. She is evidently winded and seems somewhat exhausted. It is not that hard to accept that. You guys just climbed it a very long vertical shaft even though you guys had the help of the rope it was not an easy climb especially for someone that may have been malnourished as she was or being imprisoned seeker faith was always very active 
in one way or another, she was always at her feet. She's always moving around. And it was not uncommon for her to get tired because of all this moving. Of course, she would always put a strong face behind it, or at the very least, her excitement towards new things would not really allow her to slow down. But knowing her, she is looking a bit thinner compared to last time you saw her. friends you've reached the end of this episode of the sunless citadel thank you so much for listening subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the sunless citadel every thursday at 12 p.m est if you like the show please consider leaving a review it's a small way to show your support that goes a long way to connect with us follow our social media accounts and if you'd like to support us well you can head on over to our patreon to join the conversation for you sneak peeks of our next project and discover our fantastic bonus content our intro score was created by patrick Gordon from off the beaten path musical the sunless citadel can be found in tales from the yawning portal by wizards of the coast the world of nosomundas was created by pedro stockler thanks again for listening from all of us at the storyteller's tavern <laughs>